Welcome to No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women. the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, good. the bad, and the batshit crazy. (laughs) I totally messed that one up. I beat you to it. (laughs) I beat you to it. I tried to join you on the the good, the bad, and batshit crazy. I won't let you touch me. I know. You wish I would. Cheers, Rose. Cheers. What? Cheers to queers, because it's Pride oh, Month. Oh, wow. You like Good that? Job. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very what much. What are we drinking here? Today we are drinking another concoction made by Lynn at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is called the, what do we call it? <laughs> I can't remember. The we just posted. Double Trouble. Double, no. No, wasn't it the Double Trouble? Oh, yeah, maybe it was. The Double Trouble. We went through a lot of names. We went through a lot of names. So I think it's called the Double Trouble. So what I did was I took two ounces of blueberry Shamirnoff vodka and added a half of a Bud Light seltzer. This particular flavor is peach. No, I'm sorry, tangerine. Tangerine. And then poured those two over ice and added a lime squeezy squeezy. Limey pleasy. When you pulled out that Smirnoff vodka, I was like... There's not very much left in the bottle. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of drink is she making? Because there ain't much in there. No, there's not much in there. It's enough to get us through tonight. So I was glad to see that you had other alcoholic beverages. Yes. I didn't want, I just was like, I couldn't come up with another one. I worked on my story relentlessly and and I had to work a lot this week. I mean, not that I don't work a lot normally, but my, um, I didn't even have time to read my story like, Sometimes I'll take like a 10-minute break at work and just like go over my story. I didn't even have time to do that because oh, I've just been so busy. So. Is it going to suck? It's going to suck. No, it's not going to suck. It's amaze balls, Rosie. I know. I'm so excited about it. So do we want to talk about upcoming events in our lives? Yes, we do. Rose is having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn's getting married. <laughs> equally as funny. <laughs> yeah, that's equally laughable. Because I'm not dating anybody, so it's really funny. I'm marrying. I'm marrying Penelope. She and I are getting married. <laughs> so it's a lesbian. It's a lesbian bestiality bestiality thing. program. Yes, yes. <laughs> Rose is giving birth to a puppy. Um, <laughs> no, we are going to take. One week off. No, we're gonna we're gonna take two weeks off. No, we're taking one the, week off. No, we decided to take two weeks, but we're gonna do a Q and A for one. So we'll only be off the air for one oh, week. You are right. <laughs> Don't get sassy with me. Yes. So we're gonna do a Q and A coming up next week. We'll do the wait. No, I don't know. I don't know what day it is. No, we have. We're recording next week. Yeah, but we have a few more weeks. Right. So we'll do a Q and A. Uh, in the next couple weeks, I'll start posting for that. I'll post over the next couple weeks for Q&A. So we're yeah. going to do a Q&A again. Any questions you have about about stories, any people that you want us to do, um, not sexually, but um, research-wise. <laughs> then we'll do anyone. I'll pretty much do anyone for the right money. I mean, sex work <laughs> yeah. is, is, is a thing, for real. It's the oldest, oldest profession in the world. Um, so anyway, um, if you have any suggestions, please let us know. And um, you can reach out to us. In many ways, we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. We'll hold that back so you have to listen. But, yeah, so we'll be taking just one week off this summer. We're dedicated, y'all. So follow us and share us, motherfuckers. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're busting our asses here. <sighs> yes, we are. We're killing ourselves. But so today, Rose, I'm going to talk about the one, the only, the booby, 
Dolly Parton. The booby? The booby. <laughs> Dolly Rebecca Parton. I'm excited about this one. So I have to tell you, it was pretty amazing. It was a pretty amazing week of research. I It was a little over a week. Um, but it's... She's amazing. So I'm going to get started. Okay, go ahead. So Dolly Rebecca Parton is an iconic figure in the music industry known for her exceptional talent, distinctive voice, and unparalleled songwriting abilities. Her impact extends far behind her success as a songwriter. Beyond. Not behind. What the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know why I said behind. Um, it. Her impact extends far beyond her success as a singer-songwriter, as she has left an indelible mark on multiple genres, shaped popular culture, and inspired countless artists. She's been recognized for her many contributions to the world as we know it, from being a cultural icon, a feminist trailblazer, a philanthropist, and an all-around badass rose. She is a badass. Yeah. So her life story is kind of a rags-to-rhinestones kind of story. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I like that. You make that up. So she was born the fourth of 12 children. Oh, that's too many. She was born on January 19, 1946, in the Great Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee, in a one-room cabin in the town of Locust Ridge, uh, and they had no electricity. Oh, my God. Yeah. What state? Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, the family listened to the Grand Old Opry on a battery-powered radio. She mentioned in an interview that they would have to, and I asked my dad about this because my dad is an electrician and or was an electrician, and she said we would have to wet the brown wire so we could get better reception. But I don't understand that. And I said to my dad, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. And I couldn't, uh, and it was in a podcast, wet and I couldn't the brown wire. I, I don't understand what that meant. And maybe she said something different, but... Anyway, they would have to <laughs> they would have to manipulate the radio to be able to yeah. get reception. So, um, Rose, do you want to hear what her fate one of her, about one of her favorite Christmas memories? Well, first of all, how big was her cabin? Was it? It was tiny. It was just like a. It was like one bedroom. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. So it was like one bedroom, and all the kids slept on little mats on the floor. And the parents slept in the bed, and they, they'd get up in the morning, and they'd roll up their mats and put them in the corner. Like yeah, they all care? slept on the floor. That's crazy. Twelve kids. I don't understand how they kept having kids with all these kids sleeping on the floor. I admit, like, yeah, when are they doing it? They must have been do- being pretty quiet. Maybe this, you know, the kids are probably so tired from, like, playing all day. They just slept super hard. I yeah, don't know. right. They are probably, like, working the farm. So she has a replica of their actual cabin. Oh, really? In Dollywood. Oh, That's wow. one place I really want to go. I know. Me too. Um, Maybe we should take a road trip. We should. They, um, she has a replica of exactly her cabin and like a little church that lived on her, that was on her, their family's property, like or around their family's oh, really? property. Yeah. Oh. She has some replicas at Dollywood, which is kind of cool. So, gee, I know, Rose, you're a nut job about Christmas. So I thought you'd Yeah, like I want to hear. So her parents were married when they were 15 and 17. Holy shit. They never had any money at all. Each year her dad... 12 kids. Yeah, right. (laughs) Each year her dad would cut down a tree and the kids would make homemade decorations. Dolly mentioned that her mama never had a wedding band. One Christmas her dad got all the kids together and they pitched in to buy her mama a wedding band. And she wrote a song named Circle of Love, which is about this this whole thing. Oh, really? And a movie about it called Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love. So there's a song and a... A movie written about her mom getting the wedding band that That's she so always sweet. wanted. So her parents sweet? were actually nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her parent. Her dad was illiterate. Um. Her mom loved music and sang and stuff all the time. Aww. But yeah, they were. That's sweet. They just had a simple life. Yeah. You know. 
Did they? What are they on? Like a farm or? No, just up in the mountains. Like what did they do? Her dad um, grew corn and they sold it for cornmeal. So he did have a farm. Um, yeah, I guess they did have a farm, but they were in the mountains. So I don't know if he. Yeah, I don't. She didn't. Like talk. it wasn't like a big like working farm. Yeah, I mean they, the they yeah they didn't have a bunch of people. Yeah. So she often talks about her fond memories of running around her home in the mountains barefoot. She rarely wore shoes. One time she was jumping over a fence and stomped and stepped on a broken bell ma- a ball mason jar. She said she almost cut three of her toes off. Oh my god! Her mother grabbed some kerosene while her brothers held her down. This makes oh my, my whole body cringe. She poured the kerosene over Dolly's foot and sewed her toes back together with oh. a needle and thread from her sewing kit. What was the kerosene for? I guess to disinfect it, but like, why kerosene? Like, I feel like, oh my God. It, oh, they probably didn't have like alcohol or anything. I guess. I mean, oh my God, it freaks me out so badly. Oh my God. That seems so like, oh my, could you imagine how bad that burned? I can't even begin to imagine. I, I can't. It's I like, can't even think. I can't even imagine that's very clean. Like, like I don't sterile. feel like it would clean it either. I don't know, Great. but that's what she said. She said this in an interview. She oh said, my "Gosh." Um, she spoke in an interview. Sorry, I just whistled into the microphone. I'm talking all Southern now. <laughs> oh, God. She spoke about this in an interview, and she said, I still have the scar, but my toes work just fine. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What the hell? It, it, when I read that, I, like, everything in my body was just like. Ugh. That sounds so painful. I can't even. Like, I just can't. Anyway. So she wrote her first song, Tiny Little Tiny Tassel Top, when she was four or five years old. Oh, my gosh. She couldn't even write, and she wrote a song. That's crazy. Um, It was inspired by a homemade doll. So she said in an interview, um, we didn't get store-bought toys and all that stuff, said um, Dolly said it who has often talked about growing up in poverty. Her family grew corn, which they would shuck and sell, shuck and sell. And shell, and then her father would sell it to a grist mill, uh, grits mill for a cornmeal. She recalls her father taking a poker from the fire and burning eye holes into a corn cob, which her mother adorned with the corn silk for hair and dress made from husks. <sighs> so that was her doll. Oh my god! So it's kind of like your doll as a kid, Rose. <laughs> my sister dug in, dug up in the backyard. Yeah, her sister Rose's first baby doll. Her sister found in the backyard in a hole. <laughs> She was cute. She and Rose loved it. And then I cut her all, her all her hair off. Yeah. So she Dolly said, it was mine. It was personal. That was my little doll. And I had emotions for her and love and fears for her. Oh, she's just like, oh, you know how so when sweet. you're like your doll, yeah. So she said, so I wrote the little song about it, Tiny Little Tassel Top. You're the only friend I got. Hope you never go away. I want you to stay. Um, and she sang it in the interview. That's a little sad. Um, her mother had written down the lyrics for her, and she found them later on. Oh, Dolly really? found them later on, wow. yeah. Uh, she was fascinated with rhyming and singing and uh, singing that little song. And then that kind of brought it back to me. Her mother was, I'm sorry, her mother was fascinated with rhyming, her rhyming. So, like, her mother loved that Dolly would rhyme everything and sing yeah. everything. Um, she goes, but I was writing before I could write. So, like. I said her mother wrote it for her. By the time she was 10, she was making $20 a week singing on a Knoxville television show. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, especially for a poor family. In 1957, she recorded her first song, Puppy Love. And in 1959, she made her first guest appearance on the Grand Old Opry stage at age 13. Holy cow. Could you imagine? Her parents had to be flipping no out. No kidding. Like, I would they were love... so poor. Oh, my gosh. And, like, they would listen to it on the radio. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's it. And now she's on it. Like, that had to be just so exciting for the whole family. She describes that tribute to her mother... Um, she tributes contribute she attributes all that to her mother, um, Ava Lee, as one of the most special to her. She says that she got her musical talent from that side of the family, whom she describes as dreamers. Oh. During her childhood, radios, record players, and electricity hadn't yet reached the rural poor, and they entertained themselves in their own homes with old ways passed down from European country pleasantry. Her maternal grandfather, a Pentecostal preacher, played fiddle and wrote songs. In 1964, the day after becoming the first one in her family to graduate from high school, she packed a cardboard suitcase and boarded a bus headed for Nashville. She said, I had a dream and I had talent. I thought and really believed it was going to happen. And it it certainly was. So her first three siblings didn't graduate? No. Oh, my gosh. No. They probably were working. Oh, that's true. You know what I mean? But I wonder what made her graduate. Like because she was determined. She was like, I'm. This she is, knew it would help her. She didn't. She's not. She doesn't fuck around. She's like, I. She has her sight on something, and she's gonna get it. Mm-hmm. Like she's very determined and driven. Um, when she first started working in Nashville, she worked at Monument Records, then Combine Records, and then Willie Nelson started right around the same time as her working at these record things and she was writing songs for these record companies oh wow so um they were just paying her to write songs and willie nelson was starting at the same time in nashville as her oh really i didn't know that yeah so uh, when she moved to rca Records, she ran into willie there um as well and she said that their lives were running like a parallel they were very connected she said at the time he was <laughs> he was clean shaven with short hair she said he looked like a big old dork. <laughs> really? <laughs> she said that was before he was smoking the dope. <laughs> but I can't yes. picture him like that. So he left Nashville and went back to, I think he was from California, if I'm not mistaken, and like got into the whole like, you know. Dope smoking, hippie. Credence, Credence Clearwater Revival, like yeah. like hippie era, and then came back and that's when he made his startup. So this is funny. On her first trip to New York City, she and a girlfriend she grew up with checked into a hotel and then went out to see the sights. They were super excited. You know, I mean, I don't know how they went. I assume they took a bus. But the hotel, because they were dressed so sparkly, the hotel staff thought they were sex workers trying to turn tricks in the room. (laughs) When they arrived back to the hotel, the staff had locked them out of their room and put their luggage in the hallway. Oh, no. They didn't know what to do, so she had she and her friend begged the hotel to at least keep their luggage until it was time for them to leave the city. They like had like like a day or several yeah. hours before they had to leave the city. They just walked around and ended up in a bad part of town. And a man approached her and would not take no for an answer. He kept touching her. And she was like, you know, stop, stop. Well, Rose, she being a country girl in the big city, um, brought a handgun and had it in her purse. <laughs> Did she? Of course she did, Rose. She pulled out her gun and told him that if he touched her again, she was going to put a bullet in him. (laughs) Good for her. Her girlfriend thought it was the funniest thing she had ever seen or heard. Like, she was, like, 
cracking up. Really? Her girlfriend was hysterical, kind of like when you fell down the other night, and I was oh laughing. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I still hurt from that. Do you really? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I fell on the soccer field, and Lynn started laughing hysterically I was his- from the sidelines. So she, it's not that she fell. It's that she fell like Christina described it perfectly, like a tree in the forest. She just went <laughs> bloop. Like there was no like like falling. It was just she went from straight up to straight down. There was nothing in between. It was hysterical. And it was almost like slow motion. And I could not stop living. Everybody on the team on the field was looking at me like, you're the biggest bitch. And I could not stop laughing. I was hysterical. because my legs got like stuck Tangled on up, this, yeah. other, this other woman's legs. And I just it was fell. But... You I still, I, I landed like on my fist, on my boot, on the side of my boob. Oh. And like right here. my it's like, all bruised. It hurts so bad. Like when I was running today, it hurt so bad. I could barely breathe. It's not blind. You don't run. <laughs> <laughs> I was very mad. And Charlotte was on the sidelines. She was so mad at Lynn. Oh, she was mad at me. She said I was the rudest person ever because I laughed at her mom for falling. Yeah. And then I felt bad. And then she fell and I didn't laugh at her though. She said... How come Lynn laughed at you when you fell? <laughs> I said, because Lynn's very mean. <laughs> I am not. It was just funny, y'all. I'm telling you, if, if it was on camera, that thing would have blown up. It would have gone viral. It was the funniest I'm thing you've ever not. seen. <laughs> Hopefully there's no cameras there. I'm going to have to put cameras up next um, time. On my way here, Charlotte, I was saying bye to Charlotte, and she said, tell Lynn I said hi, and tell her thank you for the birthday presents. Aw. <laughs> it was fun. They had their birthday party so last she's week. she's forgiven you. That's good. Um, so... Her girlfriend thought it was hysterical, so she started cracking up. And then so Dolly kind of laughed, too. And then the guy started laughing, thinking it was, like, some kind of joke. Oh, and he thought hell? it was, like, some kind of thing. So within five minutes, they're all laughing hysterically <laughs> on the side of the street. And, Rose, I just need to tell you, this is not how this type of scenario usually plays out in New York City yeah, when somebody no pulls shit. a gut on you. <laughs> like, there's no humor about it. You're usually dead. Or when or somebody's, something. like, filling you up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, whoa, no. So... This is writing the story about her was ridiculously fun. I mean, I just I like watching her interviews, listening to the podcasts about her. Yeah, I and everything. It was. I found myself smiling the whole time. It was really fun. And as I told Bros earlier before we started, this is definitely in my top five, maybe in my top two of people wow. I've done. She is absolutely amazing. So. Um, she has, she's funny. She makes jokes about herself. Like yeah. she doesn't mind laughing at herself and she has a huge heart. Oh my gosh. So you'll hear. So her career took inspiration from earlier female country music stars, such as Rose Maddox, um, and Molly Day of the 1940s, Kitty Wells of the 1950s and Brenda Lee and Patsy Cline of the 1960s. I don't recognize any of those names except Patsy Cline. I know. Me too. Yeah. My grandfather used to sing with Patsy Cline. Did he really? Well, he played the guitar in the her... The guitar. She calls it the guitar, too. <laughs> Is your dad from East Tennessee? In her, in her band before he, she was famous. Oh, really? Yeah. He played, oh, my God. He She's, played with her. Patsy... Uh, Sherry always plays Patsy... Uh, sings Patsy Cline in... Uh, oh, really? In, uh, in I karaoke. Know, I don't know any of her songs. I might probably would know if I heard them, but... So, um... These boots are made for walking. Isn't that Patsy oh, Cline? Oh, is it? I know that one. No, is that her or is that Loretta Lynn? I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. Um, Please. So, like these women, Dolly uh, significantly, significantly contributed to the country music scene, which was largely dominated by men until the 1950s. She created a female identity 
and gave voice to female viewpoints. When she emerged in the late 1960s, women in rural and working class Southern America were primarily her audience, her, were the primary audience for country music. These women were restricted to subordinate roles. So the subtle but empowering statements in the lyrics to these female country singers made a huge impact. Um, her progressive lyrics and her willingness to speak out despite potentially adverse consequences made her stand out among female performers. Speaking her mind and her heart has been one of the strongest characteristics of Dolly's work and has won her fans, both male and female, internationally. A recent article in the Journal of Popular Culture explores why people of Zimbabwe have such a strong attachment to Dolly and her music. I read this and I was like, I have to put this in there. Yeah. The conclusion of the exploration of why this is so is because that her tendency to give voice to working class values and to be one uh, to be open regarding her own underprivileged past allows Zimbabweans to identify strongly with her character and her music. Oh, that makes Isn't sense. That crazy yeah. though. Like people from Zimbabwe love Dolly Parton. That just that is yeah, so it's weird. Just like I never would have thought that in a million years. That's very weird. So in 1967, Dolly was asked to work with with Porter Wagner. So Porter Wagner had his own TV show, which was a syndicated musical variety show filmed in Nashville. While the two were working together, they were both signed to RCA Records. They released 13 studio albums together between 1968 and 1990. She was always his sidekick, but she made it perfectly clear to him from the very beginning that she eventually wanted to have her own career and didn't want to be part of a duo. Oh, good for her. In an interview with People Magazine, she said, I think Porter had a real hard time after other people started recording my songs. So she had been writing songs for a really long time. And then... Finally, people, it like, you know, it was like pumping a well, you know, finally people started recognizing her songs and they started recording them and she started making money. And I was writing and I was getting to be pretty popular, she said, and it was his show. I wasn't trying to hog it, but I just kind of carved out a little, you know, place for myself. (laughs) He knew that when she left, it would really mess up his show, but she had to go with her gut. And she wanted to be on her own. Well, good for her. I mean, yeah. I mean, I she, mean, back then, a, a woman actually standing up for herself. Yeah, like doing I mean, that. unheard of. It is unheard of. So she quoted as saying, "It was a love hate relationship. We fought like cats and dogs. We were just both very passionate people. There was no way that I was going to do what I was going to do, and no way I was going to not do what he thought I was going to do." <laughs> <laughs> this is when she wrote, "I will always love you." You know that song. The one that um, Whitney Houston sang. And I oh, will she wrote that. She did write oh, that. I didn't know yeah. That. So she wrote that, and she sat in his office, told him she wanted to leave, and sang that to him. And he said, "How could I say no to this? If you promise me you'll let me produce that song, yeah, because it's the first time she had sang it. He wouldn't let her leave without a big fuss. He admit, eventually ended up suing her anyway, and she paid him back. Oh, really? Yeah, but." Oh, geez. Um, So she wrote that song and the song Jolene in the same exact day. They weren't released. Oh, I think I've read. uh, They weren't released at the same time, but they they were. She wrote them both in the same exact day. Isn't that crazy? I think I read like a meme about that. Like Dolly Parton wrote these two songs in in one day, and what have you done today? Or some kind of meme like that. Huge. Yeah, Jolene's a pretty pretty awesome song too. So she's unbelievable. So the next I'm going to talk about her discography. Dis. Discography. Discography. What is that? So I knew you were going to ask that, so I wrote the definition. It's a description (laughs) catalog of musical recordings, particularly those of particular performer or 
of a particular form or, or composer. Um, so it's like all of her music. Oh, okay. And stuff. Yeah. So um, it's a treasure trove of timeless hits and critically acclaimed albums. Throughout her career, spanning over six decades, she has released numerous chart-topping songs and albums that have become an integral part of popular music music history. So here are some of her most favorite her most famous songs. Um, so in 1971, The Coat of Many Colors. And The Coat of Many Colors is a deeply personal and autobiographical story that resonates with listeners. It tells the touching story of Pardon's childhood, where she finds solace in a coat her mother made from rags. The song's message of love, resilience, and the power of family has made it one of Pardon's Aww. most beloved and celebrated compositions. So it's a true story. I don't know if I know that song. Um, there was also a movie written about it. Really? Um, so her mother made her a coat of all different rags that she had. And it was yeah. all these cool colors and just like, you know, like I imagine it being like a quilt kind of. Yeah, you know? right. And she got made fun of at school for wearing it. Aww. And she loved that coat. And so in 1973, she released Jolene. It's her most iconic and enduring song. It's, haunt, it's haunting melody and heartfelt lyrics tell the story of a woman pleading with Jolene not to steal her man. The song's emotional depth and Pardon's distinctive vocals have made it classic and a staple in her live performances. So I was listening to a podcast and they were like, so we decided, it was like these, it was, I think it was like through PBS or something. And they were like, yeah, so we decided we were going to write a third verse for Jolene or oh. an additional verse. I think it was like a third or fourth. And and we want to play it for you, Dolly. And it was during the interview. And she's like, oh, great. She's like all tickled, <laughs> like laughing. And it was basically like, you know, Jolene and the um, the woman, Dolly and Jolene, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the one singing the song and, and Jolene, the person stealing the husband, decide both to ditch the husband and they get together and have a lesbian <laughs> relationship. <laughs> and she goes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> So, and then in 1974, I Will Always Love You, originally written and recorded by Dolly, um, it achieved even a greater fame when Whitney Houston's cover version became a global sensation. The heartfelt ballad showcases Pardon's songwriting prowess and her ability to convey raw emotions. It remains one of the most popular and emotionally resonant songs in music history. That is an amazing song. Oh, my God. And Whitney Houston. I mean, they both sing it great, but Whitney yeah, Houston in Whitney, that. And yeah, That was really in that does. movie... Um, Bodyguard, Bodyguard, right? Yeah. And it was like, man, that blew up. Yeah. That was an amazing song. Even when it comes on now, I'm like... I love it, yeah. Singing in my car. Yeah. All the um, windows shattering. Here You Come Again <laughs> in 1977. Do you remember this one? Here you come again. I'm sure I... Nothing like, if I heard it, I would know. I don't know the words of But all I really know is here you come again. And there I go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so think I've heard that one. <laughs> it, it, um, why, why did I not put my glasses on today? It marked a turning point in Dolly's career. The infectious pop country crossover hit showcased her versatility and introduced her to a broader audience beyond country music fans. The song's success solidified her status as a mainstream pop star. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm gonna make try and make this. I'm gonna try and make this a little bit bigger. Oh, I made it way too big. My contacts are. I forgot to put on my glasses. They're burning. They're just like getting blurry. Um, in 1980, she released Nine to Five. That's uh, that, a big I one. Know, yeah. yeah. Served as the theme song for the hit film with the same name. 
in which Dolly Parton also starred. The upbeat anthem about the struggles of working women struck a chord with audiences, topping the charts and earning Pardon both commercial success and critical acclaim. I mean, that song is yeah, still to this song. day. It's like a They play that on the Peloton a lot. Oh, it's just, it's great. So, and then her albums released, Code of Many Colors in 1971. Um, there's, I'm not going to go through everything. Jolene in 1974. Um, that also has, a, I Will Always Love You on it, so I'm sure that album. And then Trio in 1987 is a collaborative featuring Dolly Parton, Emmylou Harris, and Linda Ronstadt. I'm like, that has to be a badass album. I don't know those um, people. So, To Know Him Is To Love Him. You know that song? To know, know, know him is to love, love, no. love him. I think that's the way it goes. I could be wrong. Probably. So, and then The Grass Is Blue in 1999, which is a country pop sound. Um, her songwriting style and ability to connect with audiences are integral to her enduring success as a musician. Her unique approach to songwriting and her heartfelt lyrics has resonated and formed deep connections with listeners across generations. Uh, it has authenticity and honesty. It's deep-rooted in her own experiences and emotions. She has a remarkable ability to write lyrics that are honest, vulnerable, and relatable. When she's expressing love, heartbreak, resilience, or social issues, her authenticity shines through in her music. Her genuine approach to storytelling allows audience to connect with her on a personal level. Oh, shit. Um, her storytelling and narrative craftsmanship is masterful. She weaves intricate narratives that transport listeners into vivid works, capturing the essence of human experiences and emotions. From the heartwork, heartwarming story of her childhood in Code of Many Colors to the passionate plea of Jolene, her songs often feel like an intimate conversation, allowing audiences to connect with the characters and themes she explores. In her songs, you find emotional resilience resonance she possesses a remarkable ability to evoke deep emotions through her songwriting her lyrics tap into universal sediments speaking the human condition in a way that transcends boundaries um whether it's the bittersweet song of i will always love you or the empowerment anthem of nine to five her songs strike a chord with listeners eliciting genuine emotional responses her music has a wide appeal because it addresses universal themes that resonate with people from all walks of life. Her songs touch on love, heartache, family dreams, and struggles, creating a sense of shared experience. Whether she's portraying the challenges of everyday life or celebrating triumphs, her ability to capture the essence of human experience makes her music relatable and brought to a broad audience. Her warm and empathetic nature shines through in her music, fostering a strong connection with her audience. Her songs often convey empathy and understanding, making listeners feel seen and validated in their own emotions and experiences. She has a gift for tapping into collective consciousness, consciousness, providing comfort and solace through her music. Her songwriting is timeless, and it transcends through all generations. Her ability to capture emotions and tell stories with depth and sincerity ensures that all of her music remains relevant and resonant across decades. So her songs continue to touch uh, new listeners, creating a lasting impact and cementing her s status as a legendary songwriter. Um, her genre-spanning career is a testament to her versatility as an artist and her willingness to push boundaries. She, seamless she seamlessly transitions between various music genres, including country, pop, bluegrass, and leaving an indelible mark in each. Her roots lie in country music, though, and it serves as the foundation of her career. She emerged as a country superstar 
in the 1960s and 70s. Her distinct Appalachian-infused vocals, relatable storytelling, and traditional country instrument embody the essence of the genre. Her music has surpassed the boundaries of country, gaining significant success in the pop music realm. In the late 70s and 80s, she reinvented her sound with a more polished country, uh, pop country crossover approach. Songs like Here You Come Again and 9 to 5 showcased her ability to craft catchy melodies and incorporate pop sensibilities to her music. This period saw her dominating both country and pop charts. She also has deep roots in bluegrass music, and she has frequently returned to this genre throughout her career. In the, night, in the late 1990s, she released the critically acclaimed album, The Grass is Blue, featuring an interpretations of classic bluegrass songs as well as original compositions. Her commitment to honoring the traditional bluegrass sound and her ability to deliver soulful, heartful per- performances in this genre earned her widespread acclaim. She always has been the willing has always had the willingness to collaborate with artists from various genres, which has further highlighted her genre spanning abilities. This is cool. I didn't know some of these. She has recorded duets with musicians spanning from Kenny Rogers, know that, uh, Bon Jovi, oh wow, which is rock, and then gospel with Vince Gill, which Vince Gill doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know she did anything with Bon Jovi. I don't. I have to I look that heard up. Anything either. Um. So these collaborations don't just showcase her adaptability, but also introducing music to new audiences expand and expand their horizons. Her career has also been an experiment with different music styles and concepts. She has ventured into gospel with albums like The Seeker and Precious Memories, showcasing her spiritual side. Additionally, she has explored folk, adult contemporary, and even disco-infused sounds, demonstrating her willingness to take risks and evolve as an artist. Her ability to seamlessly transition across genres reflects her immense talent as a singer, songwriter, and performer. Her genre-spanning career has allowed her to connect with audiences from different musical backgrounds and has solidified her status as a true music icon, Rose. I know. Uh, Whether she's telling her heartfelt stories in country, delivering infectious pop hooks, or exploring the roots of bluegrass, her ability to captivate and transcend genres is a testament of her enduring appeal. Um... She, her status as a cultural icon is undeniable. She has become a beloved figure, celebrated for her talent, authenticity, and her ability to connect with everybody. Her image is constantly recognizable and has become an integral part of pop culture. So do you know where she got her, her style from, Rose? I'm just going to see her and drink my tea. Nashville? Like her dress and makeup and hairstyle. Oh. Do you know where she got it from? No. Come on, Rose. Take a guess. I don't know. She got it from the town tramp, Rose. Oh, did she? She loved... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> she's she's the first one to say it. She loved her flashy clothes and sparkly clothes yeah, and her big did. hair and her makeup. She loved it. And that's where that's where she decided that's how she was going to dress. Oh, my God. That's she, so funny. And she, like, I'm going to say some of her, like, quotes that crack you up. And so she, and she makes fun of herself. She yeah. She you know, she says stuff about <laughs> dressing that way. Um, from her big hair to her vibrant outfits adorned with rhinestones and her signature red lipstick, her distinctive style has made her an icon. Her fashion choices have inspired countless imitations and her glamorous image has become synonymous with timeless beauty and individuality. Um. 
she, a uh, little tidbit of information here. I threw this right in the middle up here. I probably should have put it somewhere else. But she didn't have her first plastic surgery until she was 40. Well, that's Isn't usually that when you have it. I know, but people always say that her boobs are fake. Oh, yeah. They're really not. I wouldn't think her boobs are fake. So part of her enduring, her enduring appeal is her unapologetic authenticity. She embraces her roots unbashedly embracing her rural upbringing and projecting a genuine warmth and kindness that resonates with fans. Her down-to-earth personality, her ability to connect with the people on a personal level has solidified her status as her cultural icon and endeared her to audiences around the world. Her influence as a feminist trailblazer cannot be overstated. Throughout her career, she has shattered glass ceilings and challenged traditional gender roles. As a successful businesswoman in a male-dominated industry, she has proven that women can achieve immense success on their own terms. Her empowering songs, such as 9 to 5 and Just Because I'm a Woman, have become anthems for women's rights and equality. Her music and persona have transcended generations appealing to both older and younger audiences. Her songs continue to resonate with listeners of all ages, and her philanthropic efforts, efforts, such as the Imagination Library, have made her a beloved figure among children and families. Lily gets books from there. Does she really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. She never reads them, but... What do you mean she doesn't read them? They're not... They're like... um, They're not like the popular books, you know what I mean? Well, they're they're supposed to be age-appropriate. They're not really age appropriate. Like for she's almost three, and the books are more for like five year olds, in my opinion. Really? Because they're, they're like, supposed to be. Yeah, there's. I I talk all about the Imagination yeah. Library. No, I mean it's a good it's a good um, program, and I think maybe you know for for some kids who maybe don't have access to books, mm-hmm. it's probably really good. I mean, Lily has like a gazillion books, so yeah, she wants to read. You know. If you give a mouse a cookie every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you only had like a couple books, then getting it would be probably pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, yeah, the whole Imagination Library to me was amazing. I, I mean, the fact that she did that, though, it, yeah. it is amazing. Um, her, the Imagination Library has made her a beloved figure among children and families. Her ability to connect with multiple generations speaks to her universal appeal and influence. Um, it's one of her most significant philanthropic, philanthropic achievements. Launched in 1995. What? Philanthropic. Philanthropic, thank you. Launched in 1995. 95, <laughs> it's a book gifting program that aims to foster love of reading and Improve literacy rates among young children. The program the program provides free books to children from birth to age five, ensuring that they have access to age appropriate literature for their homes. So I think that's weird that she's getting. That's interesting. Under the Imagination Library, children receive a carefully selected book each month delivered directly to their homes. The program operates on a community basis model, partnering with local organizations, businesses, and governments to fund and administer the program. They send books to over one million children a month. That's yeah, insane. I mean, it is it is a really cool program, and and good for her for. They are like in the top three people that send books out below, like Amazon. Like oh, they're really? in the top three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a million. That's a lot. It's a lot of books in a month. Since yeah. its inception, the Imagination Library has distributed millions of books worldwide and has expanded to multiple countries, making it a profound making it a making a profound impact on early childhood literacy. I mean, 
Well, some kids don't have access to books. You know, they have like one or two oh, books. Oh, yeah. Well, the, so you, getting that book every month would be amazing. So do you know why she started this particular program? Because her dad was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. Oh, yeah. And he told her when she started making money that he wanted her to do something for literacy in the United States oh, or in their area sweet. or something. Yeah. And that's why she did it. Isn't Aww, that amazing? That is. Initial efforts focused on decreasing the dropout rate in the country's, I'm sorry, in the county's high school in the early 1990s, Dolly promised every 7th and 8th grade student she would personally give them $500 if they graduated from high school. Oh, wow. This effort was called the Buddy Program. It reduced the dropout rate in these classes from 35% to 6%. Wow. So they had basically what they had to do was they had to pair, pair up with a buddy. So, like, you're my buddy, and we talked to each other through school, and you kept me from dropping out, and I kept you from dropping yeah. out. Because we had to both graduate that was in order for us to get the $500. It was in the county she was raised in. Wow. All and that was probably, like, a ton of money to those kids. Oh, my God. You think 500 bucks for someone like that? That's, like, the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that's amazing. Uh, more importantly, the program catalyzed the community to provide additional resources to sustain this improvement in the dropout rate. The foundation also offers five scholarships to the county's high school seniors to help further their education Education in any accredited university. Not Trump University, Rose. That doesn't count. Just FYI. Is that a university? Uh, not anymore. Um, does she still give out $500? Yeah. This, this, yeah, it's, it's a program that's still going on. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was like, it's still a very poor area. Yeah. So I the know. dropout rate yeah. was probably still high. Um, Did she up the amount? I don't know. I'm going to need a thousand if you want me to graduate. Five hundred bucks though. Still, if you're in high school, man, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. So the Dolly Pardon Scholarship is a fifteen thousand dollars scholarship awarded annually to each high school in her county. <laughs> the scholarships are for students who have a dream they wish to pursue, who can successfully communicate their plan and commitment to realize their dream. So it's kind of like her. She's like, I'm doing this. Yeah, right. So she's giving them $15,000 if they can articulate what their dream is. That's awesome. The foundation also administers several additional scholarships. In 2016, she provided a $30,000 scholarship to a young girl in Arkansas to recognize the Imagination Library's achievement of distributing books to 1 million children each month. Once she reaches 18 years of age... The scholarship will be $60,000. Wow. So I guess like, I guess from interest or whatever, I don't, I don't understand that yet. So the Dollywood Foundation established by Dolly in 1988 focuses on various philanthropic, philanthropic, thank you Rose, endeavors aimed at improving the quality of life for individuals in the Appalachian region of Tennessee and beyond. Isn't it funny how when we're telling a story, we can't say words, but the other person is yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so easy well, because you're not reading it. I think yeah, you just know yeah. the word, but if you're reading it, you're yeah, like, you get... The foundation operates several programs that address education, health, community, and development. One notable initiative is the My People Fund, launched in response to the devastating wildfires that affected the Great Smoky Mountains in, region, in the region in 2016. The fund provided direct financial assistance to families who lost their homes in the fires, helping them recover to rebuild their lives. She asked the foundation to lead the effort to distribute $1,000 per month for six months to the families who lost their primary residence. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So on top of their insurance money, and some of them might not have had, like, insurance if they lived in a little cabin oh, like I'm hers, sure, yeah. right? So $1,000 a month. 
In two weeks, the foundation created the My People Fund, designed the distribution process, and implemented the distribution. In May of 2017, the foundation concluded the distribution with the announcement that over $12 million had been raised and given to the families who lost their homes. Wow. Additional funds raised also provided one-time scholarships to high school seniors whose homes were lost in the fire. That's awesome. It gives me goosebumps. She's just unbelievable. Additionally, the Dollywood Foundation has supported numerous educational initiatives, including scholarships for high school students, investments in early childhood education, and partnerships with educational organizations. These efforts have had a direct and positive impact on the educational opportunities available to individuals in the region. Dolly's philanthropic efforts, <laughs> Good job. got it, Gail, <laughs> um, extended to providing aid during times of disaster. She's been involved in numerous relief efforts, offering financial support and assistance to communities affected by natural disasters. Her contributions have been instrumental in helping individuals and communities recover and rebuild in the aftermath of hurricanes, floods, and other calamities. She made a $1 million donation to science that accelerated the development of the world's leading COVID-19 vaccine. Oh, wow. The Moderna one. She That's made a one to get them moving on that because she was like, fuck this COVID shit. <laughs> yeah. I could see her sitting at home going like, oh, my God, I got to get out of the house. Because she said she attributes her marriage being successful. It's that she's never home. She's oh, been really? married for like yeah. 50, yeah. 53 years or something. And so she was probably losing her shit and being stuck. <laughs> That's my thought. I don't know. That's just, she never said that. That's just my opinion. Do you know... Um... It might be in your story, but how much was she worth, or how much is she worth? I don't, I don't have that. I mean, I we could probably Google Jesus that in a second. Christ. I know cheese and rice, cheese and rice. Lynn. Um, so, uh, okay, so that so I tried to find out. I heard that she did something for AIDS, and I couldn't figure out exactly what it was because it was like, oh, I knew that I, I wanted to look up something, and I looked it up this afternoon, last minute, and I didn't want to just throw something in that was like kind of shitty, but, um. Her donation through here it is right here. I saved the page. She um, met a doctor. So she was in a car accident at one time, and she was in a car, she was in a car accident, and she went to the hospital. Um, it was minor. It wasn't like crazy, but yeah. she was in a car accident, and she um, met this doctor, and they just started chatting about like you know things that she does and that kind of stuff. And he works at Vanderbilt University. He worked at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. Uh-huh. So she was went to see and she saw this doctor. And he was they were talking about all the different like um research they were doing and stuff like that. Well apparently part of this modern moderna the moderna. moderna the moderna um vaccine, part of the research into the moderna vaccine is also found to be wrapped up in some sort of vaccine they're coming up potentially for AIDS or something like that. Okay. I don't think quote I've heard me on that. it. Don't come at me. I know. No, I think I've heard that because it's the like DNA, our DNA. Um, something like, yeah. something about it that is helping the AIDS research. And mm-hmm. she made a big contribution to that. Um, there was also during research for uh, pharmaceuticals and stuff through Vanderbilt, um, there was a, there was a goat that was cloned to help, help, to help um, process DNA and all that kind of thing yeah. and to do testing on the the a clone. And they named it Dolly after oh. her. Oh, she has so. a goat named after her. She has a goat named after All right, after so Google says she's worth $650 million. Oh, my God. And it always surprises me that these, like, super rich people don't give more. Not her, because she obviously she, gives she a lot. She gives a lot, yeah. No, but, but like, some, like, some people, you think... 
like you could give so much. Well, I mean, she's probably like, I mean, I feel like somebody that grew up like her. She's like, why do I need six hundred million dollars? Yeah. I really probably only need, you know, five hundred thousand to live a comfortable life. Right? Yeah, right. Or, or, you know, whatever it might be. But she gives so much to charities and she has all these people working for her that, you know, that her employees are like taking care she of. has yeah. at Dollywood. The amusement park. Yeah. She has a doctor there, like a nurse uh-huh. or a, a clinic at the Dollywood. So if you're at work and you're not feeling well, you can go in and see the doctor. Oh, that's nice. Um, and then um, it's uh, available to everyone that works there. So they can get medical care, you know, like doesn't, when they're working. Um, on Small Town Murder, doesn't Jimmy love Dolly Parton? Oh, my doesn't God. He, he have, totally like, an obsession does. with her? He totally does. I forgot about that. <laughs> we'll have to tag him in this. I was looking at her. Day. She's so pretty. She's so pretty, and she's so freaking sweet. Um, I know. She really is. So through Imagination Library, she promoted literacy and love for reading among young children, laying the foundation for their educational success. Meanwhile, the Dollywood Foundation's programs have addressed various social needs, ranging from dis- ranging, not raging, from disaster relief to educational opportunities. By leveraging her frame and fr- fame and resources, she has exemplified the power of philanthropy philanthropy in transforming lives and strengthening communities communities yeah. communities <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that <laughs> i can't talk anymore her generosity and dedication to giving back have made her an inspiration to many and a true philanthropic icon you got it down girl yeah um Let's see. She has been mentioned in countless songs, movies, and TV shows with her name often invoking a symbol of strength, resilience, and individuality. I mean, you know, she always comes up and stuff. Yeah. Right? She really does. Yeah, she I mean, does. everyone knows Dolly I mean, Parton. Small town Jimmy and James talk about her all the time. I got to introduce Charlotte to her. You do. She's pretty badass. Her songs have been covered by numerous artists across different genres, further solidifying her place in pop culture. In recent years, her presence on social media and her playful interactions with fans have catapulted her into the realm of Internet culture. Memes featuring her having gone viral, showcasing her wit, charm and self-awareness. She has embraced these memes and used them to connect with younger audiences, further expanding her reach in popular culture. There have been rumors. There's been rumors. <laughs> That's rumors and ruins combined of her entering a drag competition in West Hollywood and lost. So she confirmed on Good Morning America. She said she was at a Halloween contest in on Santa Monica Boulevard where the guys all dressed up like her. And she just over exaggerated her look and went on stage. And she lost. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> She did win. She goes, I don't even think I came close to winning. These guys had it down to a That is hilarious. That's so funny. (laughs) You know, they were like, God, she really looks like her. (laughs) They must have like, that would be so funny if they were like, you don't even look like her. Like, get off the stage. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And the judges must have been like, when they found out, like, oh, my God. (laughs) She was really here. I just think that's fantastic. That's crazy. So in an interview with Advocate.com, Dolly spoke lovingly of her queer fans in a 2014 interview with Billboard, but added that those who criticize and judge LGBTQ people are committing their own kind of sin. So she does talk about the Lord and how she prays, and she's very, very spiritual. But she's very, very, very intent on, like, the golden rule. She doesn't—this whole— 
bullshit of, you know, judging people and not yeah. loving everybody and not helping everybody is just absolute crap in her mind. Yeah. If if you're going to say you're a Christian, you better act like one, like a real Christian acts, not like a fake Christian. So um, she I said, agree, Dolly. She says, Dollywood is a place for entertainment, a place for all families, period. It's for all that. But as far as cr- the Christians, if people want to pass judgment, they're, re- they're already sinning. The sin of judging is just as bad as any other sin they might say somebody else is committing. I try to love everybody. That was a quote from her. When the issue of anti-transgender bathrooms came up, Dolly said to CNN Money in 2016, I think everybody should be treated with respect. I don't judge people, and I try not to get too caught up in the controversy of things. I hope that everybody gets a chance to be who and what they are. I just know if I have to pee, I'm going to pee wherever it's got to (laughs) be. So preach. Yeah. So she said that um, additionally, she stood up for the same sex couples in Australia who are fighting for the right to be married. She said, why can't they be as miserable as all the heterosexuals in their marriages? (laughs) (laughs) Then she took a serious tone and said, hey, I think love is love and we have no control over that. I think people should be allowed to marry. I'm not God. You know, I believe I believe in God. I think God is the judge. I don't judge or criticize and I don't think we are supposed to. I mean, she's so grounded. Yeah. So grounded. She's not only a legendary singer, songwriter and actress, but she is also renowned for her infectious sense of humor and remarkable ability to engage with the media. Her wit, charm, and quick comebacks have made her favorable among fans and interviewers alike. So she was in one of the interviews I was listening to. She was like, I don't really believe in reincarnation much. She's like, I don't, I don't believe in it much, at least not in this lifetime. I don't. And, and then the, the person went to ask her the next question, and she goes, did you not get my joke? <laughs> I was like, he just totally overlooked it. I was like, did he not get that? Like, I was listening. I, I caught it right away. Um. Her humor is often described as self-depreciating, playful, and full of Southern charm. She Isn't often it uses self-deprecating. Huh? Isn't it self-deprecating? What I say? Self-depreciating. Oh my God! <laughs> it's self-deprecating. Sorry, I'll start over. Dolly Parton's humor. <laughs> it doesn't even matter now. Dolly Parton's humor is often described as self-deprecating, playful, and full of Southern charm. She often uses humor as a way to connect with people and make them feel at ease. One of her most endearing qualities, her ability to poke fun at herself and her appearance, never taking herself too seriously. In interviews, Dolly frequently showcases her wit and quick thinking. She effortlessly turns mundane questions into hilarious moments, leaving her interviewers and audiences laughing. So I have a few examples of things that she said. But one of the things she does is like they'll ask one question and she'll talk for like an hour. Oh, really? And it's so funny. Like I I caught that in so many of the interviews I listened to. So this is, these are things she said on her famous curve. She said, I'm not offended by all the dumb blonde jokes because I know I'm not dumb and I'm also not blonde. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. This quote not only showcases her wit, but also demonstrates her ability to challenge stereotypes and embrace her own unique identity. On her look, this is what I was telling you earlier, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> she often makes jokes about her glamorous appearance, emphasizing that she doesn't shy away from investing in her image, but can still appreciate the irony of it. On her iconic hairstyle, I'm the only person who's had a hairstyle longer than their career. (laughs) She's known for her big hair, and she often uses it as a source of humor, acknowledging its significance in her public image. On her upbringing, she said, I was the first woman to to burn my bra. It took the entire fire department four days to put it out. (laughs) 
That's what would happen if you burnt your phone. Yeah. Uh, someone once asked me how long I'd been married, and I said, forever, honey. It just seems longer. <laughs> she's so funny. She's I mean, funny. she's just so cute. And I could see her saying it, too. Yeah, like, right. And she gets tickled. Like, when she says something like that, she gets, all, she gets like, tickled with herself. She, like, laughs and <laughs> throws her head back. Her playful banter about her marriage showcases her ability to engage in the media and entertain her audience while maintaining a sense of authenticity. Overall, her humor and her ability to engage with the media, the media's stern from her down-to-earth personality, quick thinking, and genuine love, genuine love for connecting with people. She has mastered the art of making people laugh while simultaneously conveying important messages and endearing herself to fans worldwide. Her public perception is overwhelmingly positive as she is widely regarded as an American icon and beloved figure in popular culture. Her genuine warmth, infectious personality, and immersed talent, immense talent, sorry, have endured her to people from all walks of life. One thing which was spoken about her often in interviews was her audiences, and this was really moving to me. So her audience is the present is the presence of fans across different age groups. Her music has resonated with people for decades, and as a result of her concerts, off, as a result, her constant concerts often attract a wide range of attendees, from longtime fans who have followed her since early days of her career to younger generations who have discovered her music through various means. And that, including Miley Cyrus. Did you know Miley Cyrus is her goddaughter? Yeah. I actually just so, found that out the other day. She guest starred on um, on Hannah Montana a couple times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did know that. So that gave her a whole new fan base, right? Um, like the younger generation yeah. was like, oh, we like her because she's funny. So her fans are known for their unwavering loyalty and dedication. Many of her concert attendees are lifelong fans who have a deep connection with her music and appreciate her genuine and down-to-earth person, persona. These devoted fans often sing along to every word, creating an atmosphere of camaraderie and shared love for Dolly's music. Her concerts are known for their inclusive and welcoming atmosphere. She has long been an advocate for diversity and acceptance, and her shows reflect those values. Concert goers often feel a sense of belonging and unity, knowing that they are in a space that celebrates differences and embrace love and understanding. Many of her interviewers bring up her fans. They mention that she has people in her shows that are die hard like rightists. You mean there's like very right people, very right. Oh, I believe it. Standing right next to a drag queen, <laughs> behind a lesbian couple, and in front of a Christian family. Yeah, right. right. So they're like all right here. Like, you know, you've got like yeah. Bible thumpers. You've got... LGBTQ of every kind. You've got drag queens. You've got everything. And they're all singing harmoniously in her concert yeah. and just getting along. It's like an anomaly. It's just... It really is. It's beautiful. I'm like, why can these people... It just gives me so much... It, it frustrates me, but it gives me so much joy that these people do this. But why can't they do it the they're rest of their just, life? Yeah. Like, why? Not being so judgmental. I, yeah. I mean, you know, there's drag queens... Sitting right next to somebody that's like a diehard writist, yeah. And they're, they're nobody, and they're just singing to the same song. Like, what a great example of peace. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, um, they're her concerts are rena renowned for her their high energy, captivating stage presence, and powerful performances. I mean, I can't imagine she doesn't put on an amazing show. I would love to go see her. Oh my god, yeah. Whether she's belting out her classic hits or sharing personal. Anecdotes and stories, she engages with the audience on a deep emotional level. Her charisma, humor, and ability to connect with people make her concerts unforgettable experiences for those who in attendance. She has left an indelible mark on music history and has had a lasting impact that extends far behind the beyond the realm of music. 
Dolly's influence will continue to shape the world of music and inspire generations to come, leaving an indelible mark on both the industry and the society as a whole. Her influence on future generations is a testament to her enduring relevance, authenticity, and impact. She continues to inspire and empower young people through her music, philanthropy, advocacy, and personal example, leaving a legacy that will shape the lives and aspirations of generations to come. Her career has become adorned with numerous awards, accolades, and prestigious inductions, recognizing her exceptional talent, contributions to music, and philanthropic endeavors. Here are some highlights of her notable achievements. She has won a total of 10 Grammy Awards throughout her career. They include awards in various categories, such as Best Country Song, Best Female Country Vocal Performance, Best Contemporary Folk Album. She has also received several Grammy Lifetime Achievement Awards. Wow. She has won several CMA Awards, including Female Vocalist of the Year, Album of the Year, and Vocal Event of the Year. In 2016, she was honored with the Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award, recognizing her outstanding contributions to country music. She has received numerous ACM awards, including the prestigious Entertainer of the Year. She has also won awards for her vocal performances, songwriting, and collaborations with other artists. She was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2001, recognizing her exceptional talent as a songwriter. She joins the rank of the greatest songwriters in history and is celebrated for her ability to craft enduring and universally beloved songs. In 2006, she received the Kennedy Center Honors a prestigious recognition for individuals who have made significant contributions to the arts and culture. This honor highlighted her exceptional career as a singer, songwriter, and actress. Dolly Parton was awarded the National Medal of Arts in 2005, one of the highest honors bestowed upon artists in the United States. This prestigious award recognized her outstanding achievements and contributions to her arts and cultural heritage, arts and cultural heritage of the country. In 1999, she was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, solidifying her status as a legendary figure in country music. This honor celebrated her enduring impact in the genre and her significant contributions as a singer, songwriter, and performer. Her philanthropic efforts have garnered recognition and accolades. She has been honored with awards such as the Jean Herschelt Humanitarian Award from the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences, the Angel Award from the Artist Against Racism Organization, and the, the Musi Cares Person of the Year, among others. She's pretty amazing. She is. So she, um, this is a quote from her. She said, I want my legacy to be about everything that I have tried to do, that I did fairly well, that I love the fact that I left the Smoky Mountains to be a singer and writer. I love the fact that I not only got to do that, but I got to be in the movies and produce movies and to be a businesswoman. I love the fact that I have the Imagination Library, the literacy program where I give books to children from the time they were born until they start school. And I love that I get to do so many things that I just love doing it all. This is what a true, this is what a true success is. When you can be happy with what you've accomplished, somebody once said to me, well, what do you want people to say about you 100 years from now? And she says, I said, I want them to say, dang, don't she look good for her age? <laughs> <laughs> so um, a couple of cool little tidbits about her. So she definitely will talk about how she's had surgery because she wants to look good for her whole life. Yeah. If you look back on older interviews of her, she wore like the the shirts that had the fingers cut out that covered the back of her hands because mm-hmm. apparently your back of your hands will always show your age because you can't get Botox in your hands. Sure, yeah. 
Um, so she wore like the sleeves that came to here. Yeah. And now if you look at her on any interview, and, the, and I looked at like the last couple I looked at, she wears these gloves that are like that look like a hand over her real <laughs> hand. And they're like smooth and beautiful with nails attached and everything. Isn't that funny? Um, so. So there's there's like a whole bunch of stuff. I, the timeline of her good deeds. The Dollywood Foundation. We already talked about that. Um, the five hundred dollars scholarship. We talked about that. In nineteen ninety one, she did the Eagle Mountain Sanctuary at Dollywood. This thirty thousand square foot Avery Avari A V I A R Y. I don't know. Managed by the American Eagle Foundation, shelters the largest collection of non releasable bald eagles. Um, Pardon's efforts to preserve the bald eagle earned her a partnership award from the U.S. Fish Wildlife Service in two thousand three. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> the Imagination Library. We really learned about that. The scholarship. We learned about that. Her concert for New Sevier County Hospital. The concert raised $500,000 and both Dollywood and Pardon's Dixie Stampede Dinner Theater pledged $250,000 each for the project for a total of $1 million. The Lee Conte Medical Center, the new hospital and cancer center in Sevier County opened up in 2010 and features a 30,000 square foot Dolly Pardon Center for Women's Services. I bet she gets hit up for donations all the time. Oh my God, absolutely. Um, so she did a telethon for the East Tennessee wildfires to help with the funding. Yeah. The My People Fund, we know about that. The Special Merit Scholarship, we, we learned about that. Her $1 million donation um, following the release of her I Believe in You children's album, Pardon donated. One million to the Monroe Carell Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in honor of her niece who was treated for leukemia at that hospital. Oh, no. Um, the coronavirus e- efforts. And then she, in 2021, she did Middle Tennessee Flood Relief. Um, they raised $700,000 to help residents impacted by the catastrophic flooding of Middle Eastern, uh, I'm sorry, of Middle Tennessee in October 2021. She chose United Way of Humphreys County to receive and distribute the donation at the succession of her friend and fellow country music legend, Loretta Lynn. Dollywood education coverage. The Dollywood company announced in February 2022 that it will cover 100% of tuition fees and books for any employee who is furthering their education. Holy shit. 100%. That's crazy. This investment employee education was made via Hershend Enterprises, Dollywood's operating partner. The program is available to all seasonal, part-time, and full-time employees at Dollywood Parks and Resorts. Holy shit, you can even be part-time. They offer more than 100 fully funded diploma, degree, and certificate programs with 30 learning partners in areas including business administration, leadership, culinary, finance, technology, marketing. The company also provides partial funding up to $5,250 a year for 150 Additional program, including hospitality, engineering, human resources, and et cetera. They can, they can enroll in it their first day of employment. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, pediatric infectious, infectious disease research. She made another $1 million donation in 2022 to Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, this time aimed at helping pediatric infectious disease research. The donation will aid Vanderbilt Division of Pediatric Infectious Disease to continue its efforts understanding how viruses and bacteria cause disease, et cetera. 2022, Carnegie Medical, I'm sorry, the Carnegie Medical Medal of Philanthropy. 
She received the Medal of Philanthropy in 2022, presented by the International Family of Carnegie Institutions to honor innovative philanthropists debuted in 2001, and it's normally awarded every two years. It was not issued in 2021 due to the pandemic. Wow. And that's the story about Dolly Parton. That was crazy. Isn't it? Isn't she unbelievable? Like, who would have ever thought she had, like, that much, like, badassery, right? Like, it's funny because she does, like, people do think about her as, like, a dumb blonde. Oh, all the time. she's so smart and so, like, Absolutely. That's the thing. It's people, you know, like, she, like, people treat her like she's, but she's amazingly smart. And, you know, she knew that she wanted something from the time she was, like, four. And she went for it. And she was like, I don't care if we don't have money. I don't care if we live in a poverty-stricken area. I don't care if nobody's graduated my family. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have, I'm going to do what I want. And she did. She said, F all you people that's trying to And she turned around and helps tons of people. I mean, hundreds of people. Oh, and she's helping people left and right. Yeah, that's constantly. Insane. Good for her. She is a badass. She is 100% badass. She is a badass. I absolutely love her. I actually looked at her um her organization, yeah. the Dolly Wood org, um organization to see if they're hiring. <laughs> I was like, god, I'd love to work for her. How cool would that be? They're not. No. <laughs> not for you. Nothing nothing for me. But I just like I don't know. It's just so she's so freaking cool. Yeah, she really is. So, yeah. Good for her. Good she job. She's pretty badass. She's a badass. Yeah. She's a badass bitch. She's a badass. So, um, if you love that, we know you did. Um, please go and follow us if this is your first time listening, because if it's not your first time, I know you're already following us. Um, follow, rate, review. If you haven't rate and reviewed us yet, rated and reviewed us yet, please, please do that. That helps us on all platforms except for what did I say? Prime. It matter. I think Prime Google. is the one that you can't. Oh, Google is the one the you can't. Can rate but anyway just find a way to rate us and um you can find us at no ordinary women pod on instagram facebook and tiktok and on twitter at no ord ord women pod slide us a dm comment on our posts let us know what you think send us questions send us answers send us money whatever you want to do (laughs) (laughs) money would be the best money we like money we love money 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 so on that note, Rose, we will see you uh, next week. Next week. Uh, bye-bye. Bye.